0: of our culture, where we think that we have to do something for God in order to get something from God. Grace is completely different. But our, but our culture, though, it just keeps beating us, beating it into us. I'm going to say a few phrases. Let's see if you can finish them for me. Here's the first, first phrase. If it sounds too good to be true, okay, we make money the old-fashioned way. We, let's not play the lottery. Come on. That one finishes out, we earn it. Uh, there's no such thing as a free. Okay. There's no gain without. I didn't realize I shouldn't have left so many open ended possibilities with these. Uh, there's no gain without. Some of you get that. I'm a big believer in uh, no pain means no pain. Some of you may think this is in the Bible. It's not. God helps those who. Ooh, everyone knew that right off the bat. And it's amazing because so many people actually think that's in the Bible. And it's not in the Bible because it is so the opposite of the way grace actually works. But there's something in us that really, really says that we have to earn things. Reality is you can't earn grace, grace is just grace. There are a number of definitions of grace. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the definitions of grace, probably in some respect, because there's no one definition of grace that is quite sufficient. You know, there's a few of them that uh, maybe you've heard of, God's gift to me, receiving what I don't deserve, God's riches at Christ's expense, uh, God's love in action. Grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Grace is the face, of, uh, the face God puts on when he looks at my failures, faults, and mistakes, well, that's kind of a good definition, isn't it? But here's the biggest thing I want for you today. When it comes to grace, the reason we're not going to spend so much time on the definition isn't so much that I don't want you to know the definition of grace, but I really want grace to define you. It's not so much that we have to understand all the ins and outs of grace, but when grace begins to define you, there's something powerful that begins to happen. In Titus chapter 2, Paul writes a bit about grace, and this is where we're going to be this morning. We'll break it down just a little bit. Starting in the 11th verse of chapter 2, he says in the English um, Standard Version, it says it this way, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That, right there, that describes spiritual growth right there. And again, it would be really nice if we could just do a heart ablation, deaden the parts of the hearts that are wrong, so only the good parts of the heart that lives. It doesn't work that way. There are things to discover. And in the connect this morning, here's what you really need to discover about grace. And it's simply this, that grace is everywhere. Grace is everywhere. Why don't you say that with me? Grace is everywhere. Which begs the question, was grace everywhere in your week? Did you identify grace? Were you able to recognize where, where grace actually was happening? The Bible just declares that literally grace is everywhere. So I am going to walk through some of it with you this morning. First of all, grace the Bible says that grace is to us. It's to us. Paul, he, uh, he would often start off with his letters saying grace and peace to you. He says in Romans chapter 12 that, that grace was given to each of us. So there's this grace that is moving toward us. That means when you got up today and you were moving toward your first cup of coffee or however it is you start off your morning, that grace was already moving toward you. But not only was grace moving toward you, but the Bible declares that grace is also all around us. Romans 5 says it this way, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Some of you maybe thought you were standing in a whole pile of Whatever, garbage, whatever you want to finish that. But the fact is, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, wherever you go, you are standing right in the middle of grace. Bible also says that not only is it toward us, not only is it all around us, but it actually is also above us. Maybe you never thought of grace being above you before but grace, um, Paul says that really there's this, we we uh, we were at one point, we were a slave to sin, but now our master is grace. Why? Because grace is over us. Now the ruler over you, the one that authority is this thing called grace. And this is a beautiful way to live knowing that everywhere I go, that grace is right over my head. Not only is it, Over us, but the Bible also says it's under us. Grace becomes the foundation. It's no longer, no longer do we look toward a worldly wisdom, but now we have grace that teaches us. We have grace that now helps us to decide on things so we can stand on grace. Not only is it toward us, All around us, above us, below us, but it's also before us. Do you realize that every time that you pray, you are positioning yourself in the spirit right before the great God of heaven? And as the writer of Hebrews says, that we have been uh, its right in that face of God, before God, that we find mercy and grace. So every time you say Lord, and however you continue that sentence, you have grace right before you. The other beautiful thing about grace is it's with and within us. Scripture bears out that uh, God's grace is with his people. His grace strengthens us because it's inside of us. We grow in this grace. Starting to catch how much grace is like everywhere? Starting to get that? Because it's toward us. It's all around us. It's above us. It's below us. It's before us. It's with and within us. But here's the other beautiful thing. It's also from us. Colossians said that, says that grace, it flows from us. And so you talk to someone who was a follower of Jesus, whether you recognized it or not, there should have been grace that was flowing from them. And then grace, it's also after us. It pursues. Grace doesn't settle, but it continues to go after us. Grace is a relentless pursuer. Grace went after Paul when he was a Christian killer but once grace caught him it didn't stop pursuing him because he talks about himself being uh uh not really deserving to be an apostle and even if it, even as an apostle he was the least of the apostles and yet because of God's grace he says I am what I am he couldn't take credit for it he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't boast about anything that he had done he recognized that Even when he was an enemy against God, grace was pursuing. And when he was a friend of God, grace was still pursuing. So important that we discover that grace is everywhere. Because when you understand that grace is everywhere, grace really begins to define you. Because now you begin to realize that God is not against you, but God is for you. So easy for us to to get the idea that God is just this this cosmic killjoy. He's just holding on to the wet, wet blanket, ready to throw it over your life and ruin everything that's good. Oh, that's so far from the truth. God is for you. God is not against you. Tell your neighbor that God's for him. So we discover that grace is everywhere. So how does that work? Well, let's look at that in the grow piece this morning. It starts with revelation. You'll notice that there were two words in that passage that were really the same. It was appeared, that in the past tense, and appearing, that in the future tense. This has everything to do with, with bringing light or exposing or bringing a, a place of, um, of revealing, which is why I chose the word revelation. And so it starts out with the grace of God appeared, bringing salvation unto all men. That's everybody. Salvation is for anyone that would come. And then he uses, he goes from all to us. So there are those that receive it. And and then training us, so those that receive that grace, that now that same grace trains us as as that continual appearance happens. And it's in that same vein that we look forward to the revealing, the coming of Jesus Christ making himself known in the flesh yet once again. That's the hope that we have. I pray it's the hope that you have. And so this is a continual part of our life. If you remember, if you remember when you first came to Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you, you, you'll remember the joy that filled your heart. When you understand and and really discover that grace is everywhere and you start seeing grace appear here and there and there and here and everywhere you're going, all of a sudden that same joy of the appearance of Jesus when he first enters your heart becomes a normal way of life. It helps you out of the doldrums. It helps you move through the conflict. It helps you move through the different things because grace is always revealing. Now we're coming to the close of baseball season, my team, my team. My two teams, Arizona and Rangers, they're not going to be in the playoffs. But And so I, I started kind of looking around going, you know, I, I like baseball. Who am I going to follow in the playoffs? And actually, I've really started following the New York Mets. And for one particular reason, if you're not a baseball fan, uh, baseball is an interesting game. It's, it's, it typically takes about three hours from beginning to end of the game. And there's actually only 17 minutes of game time. It's a very slow game. It's, it's a game that's really fun to go and and uh, and go with people because you can visit and enjoy, uh, you know, company while you're watching the game. But when you get to the end of the game, there's a one special player. If you're leading by one and you're, and you are at home and it's the top of the ninth inning, you bring in someone called a closer. And this closer is to make sure that the next three batters are going to get out. Well, the New York Mets have a phenomenal closer. And whenever he appears In the game, it goes like this. Now, there's two reasons why I show this clip. First, the appearance of Jesus is going to come with trumpets. So every time that plays, I get really excited. But here's the other thing. I wish that every time grace appeared, it would come with those trumpets. Like it would be obvious to us, like now, whatever problem, the closer has come in and the game is over. Because ultimately, that's what grace does. Grace puts the finishing touches there. But you notice that Paul uses another word that I think it's easy for us to read over or to not implement into our lives, and that is grace instructs. It teaches us. There's an instruction that goes along with grace that's important for all of us. Paul said, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. How are you doing at that, by the way? So let's raise our hands to the next few questions. Now remember, why do I ask that question? Because it's not what you do, it's what you discover. Spiritual growth is not what you do, it's what you discover. And the moment I ask, how are you doing, you get quiet. Because so much of your life is based on what you do. And when you recognize that grace is everywhere, then it really can begin to train you. What is training? Training is simply somebody showing you the right way to do something. Our daughter, uh, she uh, had done CrossFit for seven months. And this, this last week, we were talking on FaceTime, and, and she said, I called the gym and said, I'm quitting. And they said, it dumbfounded him because it was in, working incredibly well for her. Our daughter has always been very petite. But the last time I saw her, I said, man, you're looking like She-Hulk. Because she has a personal trainer who tells her what to do so that she can get the results that she is looking for. So if you want, you know, you want to look like She-Hulk or just Hulk, you know, go do CrossFit. But the same thing is true with grace. Grace is there not to condemn you, not to kick you while you're down, but to show you how to lift a certain way. What you say yes to and what you say no to. If you go on, if you go on anywhere on any kind of um, TikTok or YouTube, there are thousands upon thousands of videos that will show you or train you how to do anything you want. And if humanity is good enough to to show you how to do whatever you want on YouTube or TikTok, how much better is the God of heaven at showing us how to do life? So when we think about situations in our life that, that are ungodly, or we think about our tendency to go after worldly passions, our inability to have the character that allows us to live a life that is upright in this present age, Grace is everywhere, helping you every step of the way. And sometimes grace says, so if you're, if, if there's a, I've never been one to lift weights, but there, there's a technique, a proper technique to lifting weights. As I've been, in fact, as I've been trying to pick up this new sport of swimming, uh, I've I found that you literally can do uh, to where you are doing 100,000 strokes a week. You know, our bodies are not made to do 100,000 strokes a week, right? But what makes technique so important is that if you don't do it correctly, you'll hurt yourself. So someone has to be there to say, do it this way. Now we've all gotten enough trouble in life to know that however we learned to do it the wrong way got us hurt. It brought pain. It brought anguish. So grace being being toward us, before us, around us, being above us, being below us, being with and within us, Grace pursuing us is there to help teach us, to show us, moments where we can do it the right way. Back in the day, and I hate dating myself because I just naturally look so young, uh, but back in the day we had to go to a video store to actually get videos. And uh, we, we, where we lived, it was this podunk town called Cholo. And we had this podunk rental place called Video Dome. It was actually a dome. It was so cheesy. And uh, you'd go in there and you'd, and you'd rent your video. And I was in there getting ready to rent a video. And Grace was right there with me. And Grace said to me, you going to make me watch that video with you? And I went, nope. And I slid it right back in. Grace taught me. There was, there was an appearance of grace that helped me in the moment to recognize that the things that go into my eyes, the things that go into my ears, are not just isolated with myself, but the God of heaven is there with me. And so in that moment, grace asked me, and I said, no, I, I actually was taught to do it differently because that's what grace does. Grace always helps us to discover a better way of doing life. And so from that, there's this this, this production that just automatically comes from us. We find ourselves being more hopeful because as we're we're learning day by day, as we're growing, now we're looking forward to being fully trained and getting out of here. This body, I I wish the longer I was a Christian, my body would just listen more. My body always has to be uh, put into subjection by me because my body will want to do the dumbest, craziest things that would get me in trouble, first with the Lord, and secondly, not as equally as important, but pretty close would be Clarissa. And so I say no to my flesh. And so the spirit of grace is always teaching me those areas to say no. And then all of a sudden, I look more and more like Jesus. I tell people what I used to do, and it surprises them because I'm so different than the way I used to be because I was trained to say no to worldly passions. I was trained to say no to the lusts of the eyes, the things that this body wants to go after. Then I, ultimately what happens is I end up finding and looking for places to minister because, because grace is the, is the great pursuer, the relentless pursuer, and grace flows out of me. Now, wherever I go with whoever I'm with, I'm saying, okay, Lord, how do you want to minister? Where, How do you want your grace to show up through me? So as we've looked at the discovery and how it works— I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to talk about how how to actually make it work. This is this is what you'll, you you leave with. This is what you begin to um, explore and do on a daily basis, and it starts as we go by looking. Again, if you're if you're not accustomed to looking for grace, you have to begin to look for grace. And it starts by simply saying, "Lord, I need you to to help me," because if grace is everywhere, I don't seem to see it everywhere. So help me to recognize all the different places grace is. Because you find that in Scripture, in the Old Testament, grace was there. Grace was there when Adam and Eve sinned. Grace was there to, to, to sow them some fig leaves so they had something to wear. Grace was found as the dove returned to the ark. So they knew that there was dry ground. Abraham, this is the great thing about grace, is that Abraham and Sarah, they experienced grace even through their unbelief when Sarah was found to be pregnant and eventually Isaac was born. You know, in a, in a world that says you have to try, we tend to think that we have to. Uh, we have to make sure that any self, any kind of doubt, any kind of unbelief has got to be gone. But the reality is grace, grace is there during your unbelief. Grace is there in your uncertainty. When God makes a promise, and some of you have been holding on to promises for a really long time. When God makes you a promise, you may go into seasons of of uncertainty and doubt, but grace has not left you. Grace is right in the middle there. And know that the promises that he has given you will become a reality. I love the fact that even in, even in the complete opposite where Abraham is completely obedient, when he takes his son ready to be sacrificed, grace is found in a ram who gets stuck in a thicket. For some of you, you find you feel like maybe Joseph and you're in, in the middle of prison. And, and he, was, he was always looking for a way out, but it's in the middle of that prison that grace shows up and takes him from the prison to the palace. And if you think, then your theology, you've been trying, you've been trying, and you've been trying, and God's been saying, that's okay, you got to rest with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train, I'm going to train, I'm going to train. The whole time, Joseph is being, being, being trained to lead a whole nation through an incredible time of, of famine, and then, or of, of abundance, and then famine. So we need to start looking. Grace, where are you in this situation? I know you're not absent. I'm not gonna try, I'm gonna trust that grace is right here. Then we gotta start listening. We gotta listen to grace. God has never stopped trying to train us to say no to some things and say yes to other things. Now remember, the one scripture when it when it talks about grace being over you, grace becomes your master the quicker, if you're, if you're a little newer to following Jesus, the sooner you learn that Jesus did life way better than anybody you've ever known, you'll begin to allow that life to train you for this life. And it's that grace where he's, he's teaching us day by day, and we say, well, that's the way I used to do it. How do you want me to do it now? And so you, you begin to listen to, to grace, and grace begins to say things like, Why don't you just leave that attitude of yours at home. Now, I know that some of you were married and your spouse said that or your parents said that to you, but I'm telling you, the God of heaven says that to you from time to time as well. That was a good place to amen. You don't have to get attitude about it. Because grace will tell you to leave things. The, the junk in our lives, we don't have to carry around. You don't have to continue with the same sin you did yesterday. Grace lets you know you can let that down. You can let that go. You don't have to be that person. You've been freed from the bondage and the controlling power of sin. How do you learn that? How do you know that? Because grace is all around. Grace will keep reminding you of that. And then an outflow of that that is now simply we become incredibly loving. There should be no place on earth where people experience more grace than they're when they're around Christians. One of the saddest things that I see is that when people get attitude, Christians get attitude after church of all times at the restaurant, they have zero grace for somebody at their job. But there is no better expression of life than love. And love, it doesn't come easy. Love requires letting go of things. It requires us to actually do good works because whenever good works are happening, love is being expressed. Whether good works is is helping somebody out in their time of need or good works is helping somebody out that is not doesn't necessarily have a problem, but they're still in need. So you're you're helping them with that. Good works is it looks like uh, praying for your next door neighbor, praying for your circle of influence, Good works is encouraging the person that comes to your life group and they're downcast and you say encouraging words to them. There's good works in telling somebody who has a continual downcast attitude to tell them to pick up their chin and start looking toward heaven because there's something good in front of them. Good works looks a lot of different ways, but ultimately it is always loving. People who live the life of Jesus will always be graceful. Here's what I found in church in general. There, there are always people that, that in their own religion, they think they've grown to the place where they no longer need grace. And when they, when, they, when they no longer need grace, you know what they do? They stop offering grace. But when you understand that there's a reason that there's grace that come before us and all around us and below us and above us, with and within us, there's grace from us, there's grace pursuing us, there's a reason grace is everywhere. Because we always need grace. Grace can't be earned. You can't work for it. Grace is just freely given. So we take what is freely given and we implement it into our life. There's an old story about a a prince of a a small oil-wrench Asian Asian nation that um, was indicted for allegedly squandering $16 billion of his country's wealth. They say over a 10-year period, the prince is believed to have lost a huge sums of his monies through poor judgment, bad investments. Uh, he was known to spend it on aircraft, yachts, cars, jewelries. They say that probably was even 2.7 billion. For us Christians, when we think about that kind of wealth, we go, "Well yeah, that's over there, But we have been given equal amount in grace. Billions upon billions upon billions of wealth in grace. But what will we do with that grace? Do we squander that grace? Do we walk away and and make it as no big deal? Or do we allow that to transform us and train us into people who are walking upright in a generation that has no clue what right is? Are we going to allow grace to to be invested in us in such a way that, that we are loving like no other? One of the sad things that I've seen over the years is that people who grow in their influence, they, they find that they end up uh, failing. If, if it's a minister, they fail in two areas. It's either sex or it's money. You know, listen, bartenders never make the news because they don't have influence. But when you, when you, when you stop growing in grace, you end up in disgrace. When you stop growing in grace, you end up in disgrace. The enemy will always try to find a way in. Even, even Paul said to Timothy, he said, flee youthful lusts. Grace had to continually help Timothy, just like he has to help us, to flee away from the things that are woven into our DNA in such a way that, that when we were children, it's just one of those things that seems to be hard to get rid of. But let me tell you something. Grace has a way of training us to do things different so we can live an upright life. But we got to recognize that God is for us, not against us. And here's how I want to finish. I want you to close your eyes with me just a minute. And Lord, I, I'm going I'm to pray that while eyes are closed, that the eyes of hearts will begin to be open to your grace that this week there will be a recognition that grace is everywhere. But even before we get there, if you're here this morning and Jesus is appearing to you for the first time unto salvation and you want to say yes to him, that you want his way of life because you're tired of your way of life, all you need to is say is, yes, Jesus, it is your life that I want. Will you come and teach me your life? Will you come and show me the way of life? Will you come and allow your grace to train me in all the areas? And he'll do that. If you're here this morning and in your personal theology, your personal belief system is that God is against you, and we're going to ask that the Lord would allow this reality to be established in our hearts that God is for us and not against us. And then we're going to pray and ask the Lord to give us ears to hear what the trainer is saying to us at any given moment, so that our technique might begin to change. So Lord, we come before you this morning, and Lord, thank you for your willingness to say yes to anyone who wants to exchange their life for your life. You are so gracious that way. Lord, thank you for being a God that is so willing to put into our hearts the reality that you are for us and not against us. So Lord, we're asking this morning that you would give us spiritual eyes to to see the activity of your grace in and around our life. Holy Spirit, we would ask that you would remind us beyond today the areas that your grace is being extended for us to be attentive to that and to step into those moments where you can train us so that our technique in the future doesn't bring harm, doesn't bring pain, but it brings life and it brings grace to those that are around. Thank you for making us Bethel, a more loving people by your grace. Lord, I pray that uh, you will show us amazing opportunities this week to extend grace. It just really is I'm praying that I'm just seeing that for some of us, part of a part of attuning our eyes, spiritual eyes to the grace that God has put around us really has more to do with us offering grace. And all of a sudden we begin to recognize the grace that God has been offering us. And so you may need to just simply say to the Lord this morning, Lord, I choose to offer grace this week in all the areas that 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 most would come back with a, a response that is hurtful and painful. I'm going to offer grace. I'm going to offer grace to the to the to the waiter or waitress at lunch. I'm going to offer grace uh, in my car. I'm going to offer grace with the boss who never seems to to to, to really do anything in my favor. To the to the professor, to the other students that uh, tend to fight against me. We're going to offer grace this week, Lord, as you teach us to recognize all the areas of grace in our life. And So we just receive that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Let's stand. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.